after that happened, I said, I don't ever want to be put in that position again. The universe, God, my dad made that decision for us. But there are many people that don't know what to do. You are listening to episode one, season three of the Latina Mom Legacy podcast. How do you prepare your family and yourself for death? I know this is a conversation many of us really haven't had or want to have. In this episode, I share with you seven lessons I have learned after losing my dad to COVID-19 and how it's empowering me to start preparing for the inevitable death. Join me, Jenny Bettis, your host for our season opener. I'll share with you my very personal story about losing my hero, all the things I know that I can do now to help prepare my family, and how I'm using this experience for growth and change. If you think this conversation is not for you, think again. This conversation is for everyone. Así que no te lo pierdas. You're listening to the Latina Mom Legacy Podcast, where we empower moms raising bilingual kids, talk about growing up Hispanic and tradiciones, and celebrate madrehood. It's time to keep it real, learn tips and tricks from other moms like you, and start creating a legacy your abuela would be proud of. If you're a Latina mom or have a multicultural family like mine, then you're in the right place. I am your host, proud immigrant daughter, rock star wife, and mom to now six-year-old Victoria Grace. Soy yo. Mi legacy founder and cafecito lover, Jenny Perez. Hola, hola. Happy New Year. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Easter. And I guess happy Mother's Day. <laughs> ¿Cómo estás? I hope that you're doing well. I am sure that you are wondering, where have I been? What happened to the show? Did I stop doing the show? Let me fill you in if you are not in the know. Uh, my father passed away last December, and it was the hardest thing that my family and I have had to endure in our lives. My father um, was sick, and my sister and my mom also had covid And uh, this was right before the holidays, uh, early December, that they got sick. And we thought that my father was just going to go get oxygen. And that was not the case. He was um, very ill or he was sicker than we thought he was. And I was here in Jersey. My sister and my mom were quarantining in in Florida. And when my sister and my mom sent him, sent him off to the hospital, uh, nobody thought that that would be the last day that we would see him. So it was very hard. It was very emotional. Um, he passed away December 14th. And I could not travel to see my mom and my sister until they tested negative, which was late January. So for a whole month, I basically had to stay away and deal with all of the emotions that that came with it. And it was very, very difficult. I'm not going to lie. It was very difficult. It's still very difficult for me. Uh, my dad was my knight in shining armor. He was my prince, mi viejito lindo. We would talk for hours and we would email and write each other. And he was my biggest fan. And, uh, and I miss him. Mis hijos todos son fenomenales para mí. Y yo le agradezco a Dios que les hayan capacitado. Dejarles un recuerdo de que, de que yo al no, al no haber ido a la escuela, por lo menos 
Dios me dio la capacitación para capacitarme. So I'm going to try not get too emotional this uh, this episode, but it's hard not to. Because when you talk about it and when you relive things, then, you know, all the emotions come flooding back and it's it's very difficult. And I know that I'm not the only one that has lost a loved one to COVID. But the fact is that because of the times, it is even more difficult because you are not allowed to be around them. My father died alone in the hospital. We were able to FaceTime him once, and it was just very heartbreaking. And I've now come to terms with the fact that we did the best that we could and that, you know, it was all in God's hands, and I've come to accept it. But it's it's difficult. Just because you accept it doesn't mean that it's not difficult. And my mom has had a difficult time as well. And because of COVID, because of everything, my dad wanted to be laid to rest in Colombia. And unfortunately, um, here we are months later, and we still haven't been able to lay him to rest because there's a new wave in Colombia, in Medellin in particular, Uh, the city where we are from, and we are scared to go because the the infection rate is so high, and we were planning on going in the summer, and now we don't even know if that's going to happen this year. So it just, it prolongs the pain. It prolongs um, the grieving process, and we haven't really had a sense of closure. We weren't able to do a, a viewing or a, my dad was cremated, but we weren't able to do a formal service or anything. It's just been difficult. And all this process, uh, I had to take some time off for myself. I had to take time off to help my mom deal with everything that came with the death of her husband of over 50 years. You know, all the financial stuff, all the material stuff, all being alone after 50 years. And it's been a process. I'm not going to lie. It's been a process. And I took some time off. I went to Florida. I stayed in Florida and, and kind of helped her out. But at the end of the day, it this whole experience has been a huge, huge learning experience. And my hope is that in today's episode that I can share with you all the things that I learned so that the day of tomorrow comes that a loved one, somebody that's near and dear to your heart passes away, that you aren't caught off guard, that you're a little bit more prepared, and it'll help you better cope and deal with all the emotions that come with it because this is such a difficult process. And not just the emotional process, but all the other things, all the other to-dos that have to come with it. And if you're better prepared, You're going to be able to focus on your healing. And that's something that I am still struggling with because, as I said, my dad was my everything. And not having him around is very painful. And I miss him every single day. And I talk to him every single day. And it's hard not having the physical his physical presence here I know he's with me and I know he will always be with me but it doesn't take it doesn't take the pain away so bear with me as I am very vulnerable but bear with me so that my experience 
can help you or your family or your loved one one day. Nothing can prepare you for the loss of a loved one. Death is not something that we tend to talk about or we like to talk about. And as Latinos, we celebrate death or we celebrate life after death. We remember our dead in Dia los Muertos. We love to have our ofrendas and our altars and our pictures and, and our celebrations. But I don't think that a lot of us like to talk about death because I think, especially in our culture, it can seem like it's de mal acuerdo or it's uh, bad luck or superstition. And then the other part is like, like I always felt like uh, if you talk to your parents about money or, you know, they may think like, oh, you know, ella solo está interesada. At least that's, that's what I thought. We should not see preparing for death as something bad or as superstition. Instead, we should see preparing for death as a gift that we're leaving to those that we love, to our children, to our, our, our nietos, to sobrinos or sobrinas, whomever you leave behind, that it's a gift to them and that we're not leaving them a burden. If you think about it, we prepare for everything in life. We prepare for everything. We prepare for meeting our husbands or wives. We prepare and plan for our babies. Well, sometimes. <laughs> we prepare for sending our kids off to college, or at least we're starting to. We prepare for all the big events in life. So why wouldn't we prepare for death? It makes sense, right? It just makes sense. But for some reason, for one reason or another, we just tend to put all of this death talk aside. Again, it's that fear. And I think that we as Latinos, we need to set aside that fear of dying because we're all going to die one day. And we need to set aside that fear and instead empower ourselves so that we can live happier, so that we, so that our children can be happier. That the day of tomorrow, that someone near and dear to you passes away, that you are better prepared. It's starting those conversations. That's the first step, is starting those conversations. So I'm going to share with you the biggest lessons that I've learned over the past four months. My hope is that through my experience, you can take, even if it's one thing that you take away from this episode, that it's going to empower you and your familia to be a little bit better prepared. The first lesson that I want to share with you is talk openly about your feelings so you don't regret it later. Growing up, fear was something big in our home. We were afraid to do anything. <laughs> it was just that upbringing que a la mamá y al papá se le, se le da respeto. I think because of that, as kids, we held back a lot. Like we kept our emotions inside. We didn't openly talk about a lot of things because my parents were very old school in their thinking. And it was only after many, many years as we became adults that they kind of let up a bit and it was easier to talk to them. I would say that in my mid to late 20s was when I started hearing my father and my mother express themselves saying, te quiero, te extraño, I miss you. Uh, because these weren't things that that they openly said a lot. I mean, they would express it in cards or in, in but not openly like with dialogue. I am grateful that as an adult, we were able to open up more and my dad softened a lot. And we were able to express our te quieros and we were able to express our frustrations and 
we weren't able to express so many things. I mean, there's still things that I haven't told my parents <laughs> or that I never told my dad because of, of ese miedo, ese respeto. But I think that after they're gone, the things that you don't say, they stay with you. And not being able to let that go, let that out of you can be a burden for you, can be something that, that you know, you have, you may have remorse, you may feel guilty of holding on to that inside. I would encourage you that if you have your loved ones alive, that you openly express your feelings, you openly tell them, te quiero, I love you, I miss you. Tell them how you feel. There are many taboo subjects. There are many taboo subjects in, in the Latino culture. But it's very empowering when you can open up. Opening up about being gay or opening up about wanting to go to college or opening up about going to therapy or opening up about things that hurt you in the past that you never had the courage to say. All of these things are things that you can open up and express. And the worst thing that can happen is that they may disagree with you, they may not like it, they may say no, but that's the worst. At least you got it off your chest. When you don't get it off your chest, after they're gone, they're gone. I don't like to have regrets in life because I think that life is a constant learning wheel. You're always learning and growing and I try not to dwell in the past, but after my father died, I did have some regret. I'm not going to lie. I did. I did because one of the biggest regrets that I had was, and it was something that was out of my control, but because we want to control everything or we'd like to control everything and plan everything, this was just out of my hands. So we hadn't spent Christmas with my mom and dad in, in a number of years. So we were planning on spending last Christmas with with my parents. And we we planned a road trip because we didn't want to fly. We wanted to be safe. And my dad passed away December 14th. And that day never came. So that was for me a very hard thing to to accept. I was very angry with God that that experience was taken away from me. And it made me realize that those things that you want to do, those things that you want to express, you have to do them today because you don't know what what may happen in the next five minutes. You really don't. And as much as you can plan ahead and, you know, sometimes life has its own plans and they're very different. So that was something that I really had to had to struggle with and deal with. The other struggle that I had was the last few months, I was very busy with work, working my day job, working my business, and I didn't talk to my father as often as as we used to. And, you know, we would email back and forth, but we used to talk a lot. We used to talk every single day and we would talk, you know, for for a long time. And, you know, towards my dad was 83 when he passed away. So he wasn't like super young, but towards the end of, of his life, he became hard of hearing and our conversations were were always short. And it's not that we didn't have conversations, but after he passed away, I just felt like the last few months could have been better. And I felt like I could have been a better daughter. 
Oh boy, it's gonna be hard getting through this one. <laughs> I've since prayed a lot and asked my father for forgiveness in heaven. But through all of this, it's taught me that I need to be more present. That I need to be more present with the ones that I love, the people that are close to me. That I need to take time for myself. That I need to take more time for those that I love. And that sometimes it's okay to take a break. Lesson number two is talk about death and what your loved one's wishes are. Don't be afraid to talk about death with your family. My father prepared us in the best way that he could. He knew that he wanted to be laid to rest in Colombia, and he purchased an osorio. I don't know what how you would call it in English. Maybe like a mausoleum? Like, I don't know. In, in Colombia, they have like the cemeteries. They have like the holes in the walls, and they put people's remains, whether it's like la tumba or their ashes. So he had purchased one, and when I went last September, now I'm going to interject here. You know when you have that intuition, like that gut feeling that you have to do something, Last September, I wanted to gift myself a trip to see my mom and dad. And at that point, it had been months. It had been like nine months since I'd seen them because of the pandemic. But for some reason, something inside of me was like, you have to go, you have to go, you have to go. And I kept hearing that the the numbers were going to go up in December. And mind you, we were preparing to go in December. But regardless, I was like, I have to go, I have to go, I have to go. So long story short, I went for a few days and that was the last time that that I saw my dad. It really was. And when I went to see him, it's like he knew. It's so it's so weird. It's like he knew that deep down that he was going to pass away soon. Maybe he didn't know when, but just like I had that gut intuition that I needed to go there, I feel like he had that gut intuition that he was going to die soon. Because when I went, he presented me with the papers to his osorio, to the burial plot where, where he wanted to be laid to rest. And I remember getting the papers and I started I started crying. I started bawling and and, and my mom looked at me and, and I, you know, I said, I just I don't I don't even want to talk about this. And and he said, you know, I just want you to be prepared for the day of tomorrow that I die, that everything is taken care of. And as difficult and as painful as that was, I am very grateful that my dad did that because I knew and we all knew what what his wishes were. I mean, I know like soon after that and during that same trip, I started talking to my mom and we started talking about death and, and what her wishes are. And my dad always knew what he wanted. He was a very straightforward type of man. El día en que yo me muera, que no me vayan a enterrar, que me hagan la cremación y que las cenizas vayan al cementerio, a la a la fosa de mi papá y mi mamá. Ellos están allá completicos. My mom on the other hand is my mom is still alive my mom is more like I don't know I don't know so we continue to have this conversation and after we lay my dad to rest in Colombia she's going to consider being laid to rest there she still 
digesting it and processing what she wants. But this is potentially one of the things that she wants. But we are having those conversations. And I am happy that we're having those conversations because you need to have these conversations. And I know my husband and I started having these conversations and he's more like, oh, <laughs> but I told him, I said, I don't think I want to be buried. I think that I would like to be cremated and I would like my ashes to be scattered in Turks and Caicos. Turks and Caicos is where my husband and I got married. It's where my father walked me down the beach. It's where I was surrounded by all my loved ones. And it's the most beautiful place that I have memories of. And I don't know. I think that maybe if I die, I would I would like, not if, maybe when, <laughs> when I die, uh, I think that would be a nice place for, for my family to go take me in and see, even though it'll be sad and stuff. But that's one thought. And then the other thought, my husband, like he still doesn't know. So he knows that he wants to be buried or he would like to be buried. But then part of me is like, I better put a seat though. If he dies, like if he's buried, I don't want him to be alone. So I still go back and forth between the two, but at least we're having those conversations. And that's what you want to have. You want to have those conversations so that you at least have an idea of what you want, of what your loved ones want. I mean, do you want mariachis? Do you want it to be a big fiesta? Or do you want it to be just very small, intimate? It's like a wedding, right? <laughs> no, mentira. But, but so it's good to have these conversations. It's good to know what you would like because I think your loved ones are going to want to honor you. They're going to want to give you what you wanted. So having these conversations, or at least definitely know what you don't want. <laughs> if you don't want to be laid to rest in your family's country, whether it's Colombia, Mexico, El Salvador, then okay, I don't want to be laid to rest. If you want to be laid to rest with your family, with your mom, dad, express that. Make sure that your husband, your wife, your children know so that the day of tomorrow, they can better plan for it. It's also good to talk to your little ones about death so that they are not scared about it. When my dad died, it was Victoria's first experience of death and it was very difficult. The pain that that little girl suffered, still, it still hurts. And she still remembers my dad and she still cries when we talk about him. She has avoidance. She doesn't want to talk about him because when we talk about him too much, she starts to cry. So this this impacted her in so many ways. And I think that we didn't talk about, I mean, she's, she just turned six. But I think it's important that we find books that we read to them, that we talk about, about loved ones that have passed away. Like, you know, when you have like, you know, you're, when you celebrate Dia de los Muertos or Dia, Dia de los Difuntos, this is a good opportunity to talk to them about your ancestors and about life and death. And I think it's good to prepare them because unfortunately death is a part of life and it's very painful. And for little kids, that pain is just intensified and it's magnified and they don't even know what they're feeling. So helping them by talking about it is going to help them a little bit more. Try not to avoid it and try not to make death as a bad thing, rather as it's a natural part of life. Tip number three that I have for you is to declutter. Organize your material belongings and keep only the things that bring you joy. When my father passed away, my sister, my mom, and I spent weeks 
weeks sorting through all his material belongings. It was such a daunting process. It was filled with very highs and very lows because we came across some treasures in the sense that we found old pictures. We found old uh, IDs that my dad had from when he was very young. And it was great finding those treasures. I saw that he belonged to the Association of Cafeteros in Colombia, which course explains my love for coffee <laughs> and it was it was really cool finding these things but was not cool was having to go through files and files and files of paper mi papá guardaba todos los papeles everything stuff from old houses stuff from oh gosh i mean bank uh statements that were like 15 years old i mean a lot of stuff and it was the paperwork we cleared out boxes and boxes of, of chatarra, like little knickknacks of tornillos and uh, just herramientas and just random, random, random stuff that he had just accumulated. And, and this was considering that they lived in an apartment and not a house. So imagine if they lived in a house. It would have been, gosh, we would have taken a year to go through all these things. We tend to hold on to a lot of things and we tend to hold on to a lot of things that people give us that our kids make and just a lot of stuff. But after you accumulate things after years and years and years, you realize that you put them in boxes and you put them away and very rarely do you pull them out to to look at them. A couple years ago, I read the book, The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up by Marie Kondo, and I loved it. I absolutely loved this book. It helped me organize all my closets, all my clothes, uh, how to fold them, how to get them to look tidy and to always be tidy. And this really was life-changing for me at the time. But after my dad died, I realized that even though I am tidy and I like to be organized, I tend to hold on to all of these emotional things. And I can tell you, I honestly can tell you as I'm sitting here that I have a box of little cards and little notes that my classmates gave me in elementary school. No lie, we're talking about almost 40 years ago. <laughs> and I tend to hold on to everything that people give me because I feel like, I don't know. I feel attachment to it. I, I like to read them. I like to look at them. But then I realized that time goes on and se quedan archivadas. They're just there taking up space and taking up emotional space. And I'm going through the process of getting rid of more stuff. And a lot of the stuff that I'm trying to uh, detach from is some of this emotional stuff. And I'm not saying that you have to get rid of everything, but I am saying that when we hold on to all of these things, the, the attachment becomes very great. You prevent yourself from um, moving on and looking forward to a less stressful life, a life that is not so full of clutter. And I don't know about you, but I know that like when my office is a mess, I can't think. I can't think. I can't function because my mind and my focus goes to all the junk and goes to all the stuff that's out of place. Like I'm, I don't feel productive. I don't feel like I can concentrate. I don't feel like I can focus. One of my priorities this year is to get rid of the clutter, get rid of the stuff that is holding me back, get rid of the stuff that I haven't worn in 10 years, five years, size six jeans that my butt will never fit into again. <laughs> like, yeah. Let it go. Let it go. If you think about it, doing this for our kids, for our family, I think it's it's going to be such a big help. I can't imagine having Victoria going through my, my elementary school cards and being like, Mom, 
Like, what the hell? (laughs) I'd rather have her spend her time on her emotional well-being after I'm gone than having her to spend hours, weeks, maybe months going through just stuff. So that would be a big tip that I have for you is declutter. This Mommy Break is brought to you by Mi Legacy Shop. Mi Legacy Shop is a marketplace that I personally created that celebrates our Latinx heritage and promotes Spanish language learning. You can shop our best-selling onesies or child tees with sayings like sana sana colita de rana. Tell the world, I'm not a regular mom, I'm a Latina mom with one of our eco-friendly totes. Or you can also download print-at-home flashcards and educational material that will help your child learn Espanol. Use promo code POD25 or POD25 and get 25% off your first order. That's Mi Legacy Shop spelled M-I-L-E-G-A-S-I shop.com. No te lo pierdas. My fourth tip or lesson is to discuss your family's assets in detail. Now, typically what happens in the home is that there's one person that kind of is the administrator of the home and kind of knows where everything is. But many times the other spouse doesn't have a clue as far as accounts, like maybe the basic bank accounts, but as far as like 401ks, life insurance policies, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Many times we don't know all the information in detail. So it's very important that you have a sit down conversation with your husband or your wife and you talk about these things. Now, my husband and I have recently started doing this. It's a process, getting all our information together and making sure it's under uh, one central location, obviously a safe place that both of you know um, where it's at. What you want to have is you want to have the account numbers, the information about who the beneficiaries are. You want to make sure that everything is up to date. Uh, You want to make sure that all the names are spelled correctly. Like you want to try to make sure that you cross all your T's and have everything in order. When my dad died, he was pretty good. He left just about everything in order where he wanted to be laid to rest, the bank accounts and everything. However, there were a couple of instances where because the state, he, he died in Florida, because the state of Florida is a little bit complicated, and I understand why, you know, there are a lot of elderly there and there's a lot of scams going on. There were a couple of instances where my mom could not have access to uh, one of his accounts and to a safe deposit box. And this required us to hire a probate lawyer. And believe me, this is something that you want to try to avoid at all costs. Sometimes it's unavoidable. You just have to hire one. But you can save yourself hundreds of dollars by not having to go through the probate process. And now with COVID, it's the waiting game. Because as we speak now, we're still waiting to hear back from the courts to see if my mom has access uh, to a couple of things. The whole reason is because if you don't have clear beneficiaries or if you don't have like a joint account, this can present problems. And Again, this varies by state. Every state is different, which is something that I learned because I wanted to hire a lawyer here from New Jersey. And when I told him that my dad had passed away in Florida, he said, oh, Florida, it's its own state. It's its own monster. Good luck. (laughs) And when he told me that, I was like, oh, shoot, I think this is going to be a process. And it has been a process. So you really want to try to avoid that. You want to make sure that you have everything in order, that you know your family's finances and all the legal stuff where everything is located so that you are not surprised later on as to what they have and what they don't have. And 
My dad didn't have debt when he died, but many families do have a lot of debt. People assume that if somebody just dies that their debt goes away. That's not always the case, especially if they have a lot of debt. So you want to make sure that you are not surprised because you remember, you're already dealing with all of this emotional stuff. And then on top of that, to have to deal with all of the legal stuff, it is a lot. And not to mention, saca mucho tiempo. And now with the pandemic, it's so time consuming, so time consuming. So the better prepared that you are, the easier it's going to be for you and and your family when the time comes. The other component is that for many Latinos or other people that live in other countries and have dual citizenship is if you have assets in that country, you have to make sure that you understand the process in that country as well. Now, my dad wanted to be laid to rest in Colombia and all the processes that we're doing here in the States, we have to go do in Colombia because that's what the country requires. We thought it was just going to be easy, like, hey, let's take his ashes and put him in the cemetery. But because he was born in Colombia, we have to register him in Colombia as being deceased. So this is another process that we're going to have to do. Again, we don't know when we're going to be taking him or how long that's going to take. We're planning a few weeks. But again, it's another uh, time-consuming process. And you want to make sure that wherever your family has assets, whether it's here in the States, in Latin America, or in Europe, or wherever, that you are sure and you know exactly what your family has so that you can avoid problems in the future. Tip number five or lesson number five is look into life insurance, estate planning, and hire an attorney. So a few years ago when Kobe Bryant passed away, it hit me really hard. I wasn't like a big basketball fan or a big Kobe Bryant fan. I mean, everybody knows Kobe, but what impacted me was that he died so abruptly with his little girl. And that struck a chord with me because, I don't know, it was like a wake-up call that I needed to do something in order to take care of my family should I pass away. Now, my husband has life insurance through the company that he works for, but I don't or I didn't. And after Kobe Bryant died, I said I was going to take out a life insurance policy because it was something that would bring me peace of mind and would help my family. And mind you, this was right before the pandemic started. So I looked at different insurance companies and different um, types of plans, and I found that the best plan that I could get since I'm relatively young was a convertible term life insurance plan. And basically this can be later on converted to a full life insurance plan. So it's a little bit cheaper. You have a little bit more flexibility. That seemed to be the best option for me. And what they do is they schedule an appointment. You fill out all the paperwork. They decide like what your assets are, how much you take out the policy for. And then just because you fill out the paperwork doesn't mean that you can get the life insurance policy. So they have a medical person come, a nurse, and they do blood work. They kind of do a physical. And if you, quote, pass the physical, then you're basically good to go. And you pay a monthly fee, or at least I'm paying a monthly fee, and it just accumulates. It's peace of mind. You pay insurance for your car. You pay insurance for your house. You pay insurance for just about everything. So this is insurance for yourself and for your family. And it's not that expensive. Believe me, it's not. I thought it was super expensive, but I realized that I should have done it earlier and I didn't. So that's one thing that I highly recommend for you to look into is the term life insurance. You know, do your homework, Google different companies and get different quotes and see what they have to offer. But it's a really good investment for you and your family. And more than anything, it's peace of mind. 
The next thing is estate planning. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, I thought estate planning was for people that had like these huge estates and mansions. Like that's what I thought of when I thought of estate planning. I didn't realize that estate planning was basically for anybody that has anything under their name. Now, what's interesting and what's important to know about estate planning, there are two parts of estate planning. We always think that it's about the will. I mean, at least that's what I used to think. I used to think that, oh, I need to have a will so that the day I die, everything is clear. It's not just about the will. There are multiple components to your estate planning, and these are all so important. I can't tell you enough how important this is. So the first thing that is part of the package, if you will, the part of the, the process is a living will. Living will is very important because what it does is it's an authorized document that states what your wishes are should you be in a state that you cannot make decisions for yourself, um, whether you want to be left on life support or not. With COVID and people being hospitalized, I don't think that many people understand when they tell you that, do you want your loved one to be intubated? Because for me, being intubated was, I don't know, I didn't quite know that that was being put on life support. And my dad was very, very specific that he did not want to be on, on life support. And with my dad, what happened was that my dad was was on oxygen and he he was in the hospital for, for five days. Actually, he was in the hospital for six days. But slowly after the, I would say after the third, fourth day, his health really deteriorated. And we were asked, do you want your father to be intubated? I didn't understand that this meant that he was on life support. I mean, I kind of did and didn't, but all I knew was that I didn't want my dad to be put on anything other than like whatever he was on the oxygen because I knew that my dad did not want to be put on any machina. That I knew for a fact. But the doctors told us that there was a chance of survival and that this was the next step that they would take. What happened was that in our family, there was a little bit of a disagreement because part of the family felt that because it was my dad's wishes to not be on anything that that's it we were he's after he's done with the oxygen you know leave it up to god lo que pasa pasa but part of the family was well this is an opportunity to give him a chance at life and i don't know if everybody understood that that meant life support i didn't quite understand at the time towards the end we kind of went back and forth and then at the very end we decided as a family that okay, we were going to have him intubated, but it was only going to be for a few days to see how, how he turns out, right? And what happened was that I prayed. I prayed so much. I prayed so much that I prayed to God that if it was his time to go, my dad's time to go, for my dad not to suffer. That was like the biggest thing that I wanted was my dad not to suffer. And call it what you will, the universe made the decision for us. And the day that he was supposed to be put on life support, he passed away. After that happened, I said, I don't ever want to be put in that position again. The universe, God, my dad made that decision for us. But there are many people that don't know what to do. I think that if you are very clear about what you want, if you want to be put on on life support to give you that chance whether it's two weeks four weeks a month a year whatever it is you need to have that in writing 
It is so important. After this whole thing happened, the first thing that I told my mom was, you need to get your paperwork in order. This is so important. This is so important because you want to make sure that your wishes are honored, that even though it's so hard for the family, that whatever your decision is, your decision is respected at the end. This is all stuff that you need while you are living, not when you are dead. The other paper that you may need is a power of attorney. And power of attorney is a very powerful document. And what it does and what it states is that you authorize whomever it is, whether it's your your daughter, your son, your nieta, whomever, your, your spouse, somebody to make decisions on your behalf. Should you be incapacitated? Should you not be able to make decisions on your own? And the reason why this is important is because a lot of things can get messy and can be left in limbo. If you have a bank account and nobody has power of attorney over your account, nobody can can do transactions on your behalf if you're incapacitated. Nobody has this authorization, right? And let's say you are deathly ill and your kids husband, if he doesn't have access to the account, needs funds. These funds will not be available or may not be available to them. I've heard of cases where maybe the elderly mom is in the hospital. The family's trying to sell some stuff because they need to pay hospital bills and they basically can't do anything because everything's frozen because their mom or dad didn't give anybody power of attorney. So it's very, very important that you designate somebody that you trust with your life because it literally is like with your with your assets that if you're incapacitated if you're at that point in your life that you cannot make decisions that this person can make those decisions for you now with my mom she appointed her power of attorney person and what happens is that in the bank institutions, what you want to do is you want to go to these uh, financial institutions and they may have their own paperwork to do. What you will want to do is to go to each individual bank or financial institution and say, I want to fill out the paperwork for power of attorney for my mother, for my grandmother, for my husband, for whomever. Okay. And then you'll go through that process as well. But the first process is to do it through the lawyer because they will ask you for the paperwork from the lawyer. My mom did her will, she did her living will, she did her power of attorney, and she did her HIPAA. And her HIPAA is basically a disclosure that you do not want your medical records shared after you're gone. Towards the end of your life, you you want those kept confidential or that you're able to share them with only designated people. And that's important because some people want everything to be known so that, you know, studies can be made, their family has the history, yada, yada, yada. And other people, no, my life is my life. No quiero que se sepa nada. This is very personal. I don't want anybody to know. So it's it's a very personal thing that, that you should look into and talk to your lawyer about. And then the final piece is the will or trust. Now, it's different, and I learned that they're very different things. Um, the will is a little bit clearer, and Even if you have a will, what I learned is that depending on the state that you live in, things don't just automatically go to whomever says in the will. They use it, but the power is held at the state level. So what you want to do is you want to make sure that you know what the laws are in your state. And again, hire a lawyer. And 
besides knowing what the, the laws in your state are, know whether you want a will or a trust. Now, a trust is typically used for families that have significant amount of assets and maybe they have grown children and maybe their children have issues. It's just very technical in the sense that, okay, my son inherits this amount of money, but if he does this, then he doesn't have access to that money. And you set the rules, you set the tone, you set whatever it is that you want. It is more expensive to set a set up a trust, just so you know. But in the ballpark figure, just so that you are clear in terms of how much all of this costs. So it can range anywhere from 800 to get your will, to get your living will, power of attorney, all that. Anywhere from 800 to about 1500, 2000. That's, that's the investment you're looking at. If you're looking into a trust, then you're looking anywhere from maybe 4,000 plus. So it just kind of depends on what your needs are. But it's very important, very important that if your parents don't have wills, if your parents don't have uh, living wills, power of attorneys, it's very important to have this conversation with them to get their stuff in order. It's important for you to start having this conversation with your family so that you can start getting your stuff in order. It really is how you can prepare your family and your loved ones. So now we're going to talk about the emotional side of losing a loved one. Lesson number six is know that this is going to be very painful and you may grieve for a very long time. Now, I cry almost every day. It's really hard not to. My dad was my hero. He was my knight in shining armor. He really was my best friend. And not having him, not having, not hearing his voice, not having his emails, you know, it's very painful. I know that he wasn't young, that he was in a spring chicken, and I knew that he was going to go. And I had already mentally prepared myself for the day that he he would be gone. But I don't know. I, I think you can mentally prepare, but when it happens, you're just not prepared. You're just not. And when my dad died... My sister was, was, is very emotional, even more emotional than me. And she told the hospital that she didn't want to be the point person. So they appointed me to be the point person should something happen to my dad. So when my father passed away, I was sitting in the toilet. And I would carry my phone with me everywhere just in case, you know, something good or bad happened. And when I got the news, my heart and life just broke. And then I had the task to call my sister, to call my brother. And share with them the news. And it was so hard because every time I shared it, and even now, just talking about it, my heart breaks again and again. So this is something that has no time. You can't just heal give yourself like two months three months or four months or a year 
Everybody's different and copes with it differently. But it is going to be painful. And you are going to miss them. And it's going to be painful when you have to share news to your little girl or your son. That their abuelo or their abuela or their papi or their mommy have gone, as my friend said, to the other side of the sun, al otro lado del sol. And what I learned is that you have to grieve. You have to cry. And my mom says, no llores, no llores. And I try not to cry too much in front of Victoria, my daughter. And I try not to cry so much in front of my mom because I don't want her to get too emotional. But I have my days where I just break down and cry by myself. And I talk to my papi. And I know that he's with me and I know that he's listening. And I know that he's still my biggest supporter and my biggest fan. The reality is that you miss the physical. You miss the physical presence. So no matter what people say, no matter what you read, you cannot compare yourself to anybody else. Grief is something that you process by yourself. And you should get help. I started talking to my therapist about it and you definitely need to let it out. But grief is a journey. It's a journey because it opens up so many wounds that you didn't realize you had. So many pains that you didn't realize were there all of a sudden come up and things that you wish you had said or didn't say come up. And it's a process. It's a process and everybody deals with grief differently, but know that it is going to be painful and it is going to take time. And I don't know if you ever get over it because I don't think you can get over it. I think you just learn to deal with it. And it's okay. It's okay to not be okay. And it's okay to not be perfect and it's okay to to just be and exist wherever you're at, it's okay. My last tip or lesson is give yourself grace and know that you may change. So as I mentioned, you're, you experience a lot of pain, right? And a lot of things come up. You have to give yourself grace. You have to learn to forgive yourself and you have to not look at the past with regret, but you have to be accepting of where you are at and you have to be accepting of yourself. Pray if, you, if, if that's your thing or write if that's your thing or go for a walk. Do whatever you need to do to be at peace with yourself because no matter what, you are still here. You have a family. You have loved ones. You have the opportunity to make things different you have the opportunity to be different and if you change that's okay too that's okay if you change we all change it's part of growing it's part of life so if you change it's okay you'll go through a lot of trauma and 
we tend to be very hard on ourselves. But this is the time where you shouldn't be so hard on yourself. I know for a fact that I am a workaholic. Work brings me joy. I love working. My husband wants to retire next week. I don't ever want to retire. I enjoy working. I just like being busy. I like work. I like work. But I also know that I needed to take a break. I needed to take a break from the business. I needed to take a break from social media. I needed to take a break from from everything because I needed to focus on me. I needed to focus on my mother and grieving and being there for my family. And I knew that the cost would be money. Okay, yeah, I'm not going to be making sales. I'm not going to be doing this. But can't view life that way. Your well-being and your family's well-being is number one. And your health is number one. So you have to take care of yourself. You have to be gracious and graceful with yourself and give yourself permission to take a break. Give yourself permission to cry. Give yourself permission to feel because sometimes we don't want to feel, but allow yourself to feel, allow yourself to experience, to experience that. Death is very hard. Losing the ones we love is very hard and as you experience all that you want to experience and and as you feel all that you want to feel just be present this is like (laughs) 7.1 lesson just be present be present today having breakfast having your coffee looking at your son or daughter as they wake up saying good morning to your husband or wife talking to your mommy or your papi chismoseando con tu hermana o tu hermano just be present Life goes by faster than we realize. And if we're caught up in our everyday lives and the mundane, your life is going to pass before your eyes and you don't even know it. So might as well enjoy it and be present as it's happening. Ooh, that was a tough episode to get through. And I thank you if you've gotten this far. Let's recap on how you can prepare for the loss of a loved one. One, talk openly about your feelings so you don't regret it later. Two, talk about death and what your loved one's wishes are. Three, declutter. Four, discuss family assets in detail. Five, look into life insurance, estate planning, and hire an attorney. Six, know that it will be very painful and that you may grieve for a long time. Seven, give yourself grace and know that you may change. And don't forget to be present. I'll leave you with this quote that I love by the Dalai Lama. Quote, There are only two days in the year that nothing can be done. One is called yesterday and the other is called tomorrow. Today is the right day to love, believe, do, and mostly live. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Latina Mom Legacy Podcast. Como siempre, mil gracias. And if you'd like to connect with me, you can find me on Instagram at the Latina Mom Legacy or at Mi Legacy, spelled M-I-L-E-G-A-S-I. You can also sign up for La Lista and stay up to date with everything that's going on by simply clicking on the show notes in your podcast platform or visit thelatinamomlegacy.com and click on today's episode. Support this podcast by going to anchor.fm forward slash the Latina Mom Legacy and sign up for the 99 cent monthly boost. Your support will ensure the podcast can continue to empower you to connect, create, and carry on your Latinx heritage. That's anchor.fm forward slash the Latina Mom Legacy. Un beso, un abrazo, y hasta la próxima. Ciao, ciao. What do you want your legacy to be?